0: his arm behind his back and get him to come and bless the socks off us so please tell your friends invite people along it'll be wonderful he's uh, a very he's a fascinating guy just to chat to generally but he's an inspiring person involved in uh, as I say national leadership but mission has been on his heart for a long time and he transformed the mission department of our movement when he Add that in his portfolio, I believe they call it. There we go. And sign up at the welcome desk if you want to join our sound uh, team. So you see the people making me sound good. Yes. Can you imagine the level of skill that is necessary for that? But we would like to expand that team. And oh, we don't need that one right now. But there we are. Oh, we're at my sermon already. Don't panic. Don't panic. Who, when you have an opportunity to share your fi- your faith with somebody, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I think you go to church, don't you? Tell me about how you came to believe in God. Does any of you have that moment in your heart where your heart starts to beat quickly? And you go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness me, what am I going to say now? Yes? Do any of you get that feeling which I really wish this person had not asked me, yes, because I do not feel up to the task, yes, does anybody get that feeling, yeah, yeah, so, uh, well, we're going to talk today, and we're going to look at some scriptures today, and I'm going to say to you, don't panic, don't panic, turn to your neighbor, say, don't panic, (laughs) there's only you and me, Giselle don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, so, but it's perfectly normal to panic, it is perfectly normal to panic, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I often, I'm one of those people who finds it quite easy to talk to people about Jesus, I am, I'm one of those people, in all fairness, it helps because I'm a reverend, you know, and as soon as people say, so what do you do for a living, I go, I'm a church minister, and then they're off, you know, I don't have to do anything. They just start asking me questions. They go, huh? I mean, years ago, they used to say, but you're so young. They don't say that anymore. They don't, they've not said that for a couple of decades, yeah. But, <laughs> but they used to say it. They used to say it. Yeah, but they still are fascinated that by somebody who has a calling on their lives. They're still fascinated about it. So I am in a different position to most of everybody else, because all I've got to say is what I do for a living, and people start asking me questions which I then answer. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair, yeah? Do you find it easier? Because it is easier, isn't it? We should just buy a bunch of dog collars and give them to people. That's what we should do, <laughs> see what happens. But, uh, but for some of us, it's really hard. Yes, it's like, oh my golly gosh, you know, Pastor Howard's been to Bible college for years, and I've got to say the same things as if I were him, and I don't know what to say. It happens, but even I have moments when it's not going awesomely well. In fact, uh, just this last week, I was speaking, I had two conversations in the same day, and and the first one, it was, I'm sorry that all my stories are at the gym or in the sauna. yes. It's Jesus Gym. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much, pretty much it, really. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, So I was, I was shouting to a guy in, in the sauna, as it was, and he straight away, I didn't even have to tell him what I did for a living. I said, so what are you here to do? Did you go for a swim or did you go in the gym? You know, and he said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not able to do either of those things at the moment. But last night, I did this meditation and I've come in today. And so we were off, we were off. He said, he said, I did a meditation last night. And I said, was that a spiritual meditation? Was that a faith-based meditation? And all of a sudden we were talking about these things. So it was going like fabulously well, and we had a lovely discussion about spiritual things. And uh, on the same day, I had a chat with this other guy. I was looking for, we were chatting for maybe half an hour. Yes, and I was just waiting for the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Yeah, it didn't come when I was expecting it. So it was time for me to go. So I went out and then we were just uh, in the changing rooms and another of my friends came in and said, you know, hi, Reverend. How was the Christmas services? Which was good, yeah. Then the guy that I'd been chatting to waiting for this opportunity. He said, oh, don't talk to me about church. Who's had that experience? Yeah, he went off. He was off on one. He was telling me that all the problems in the world were caused by church. Yes? We know people who've said that, don't we? Yeah? And apart from the church leadership team. No, no, <laughs> they, Yeah, you, you know, we know people like that. In fact, it was so... Um, big, his little outburst, that the person who'd asked about my um, uh, Christmas services, who has no Christian background as far as I'm aware, yes, started to defend Christianity. That's what happened. You know, the, the guy who'd asked me about my services started defending the church and Jesus before this guy. And uh, it was wonderful to see, but You know, it was an awkward, awkward moment as this man and the outburst happened, yes. So it's perfectly reasonable for us to think, oh, panic, I can panic, I'm allowed to panic, yeah. And of course, this, our ability to speak about Jesus is absolutely foundational to our no aspect of our vision, helping people understand and experience God. So, if we're panickers in that situation, we need help, don't we? If we're going to help people to understand and experience Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. And I think this is really helpful for us right now as we start uh, thinking about this. And I don't want anybody thinking, well, I panic when I share my faith, yes? And I feel guilty because in some senses it feels like I'm ashamed of this gospel. And of course, just because it's scary in those moments to share our faith doesn't mean that you're ashamed of a gospel it doesn't it just means it's a natural human reaction to what can sometimes really be a scary situation but just we carry on reading that it says for it is the power of god for salvation for everyone who believes so well done to you lot who have had to stutter through a few statements trying to do your best to express your uh, your faith in Jesus Christ because however falteringly you did it it genuinely is the power it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes how wonderful is that that you and me yes have the truth of the power which transforms people's lives which will save people's lives it genuinely will save people's lives uh, if we can somehow manage to manage the panic. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Well, let me give you some brilliant discouragement, first of all. Yes, sometimes sharing our faith does not go well. Yes, and uh, not just for me, not just for you, but for so many people. If you think about it, uh, in, the, in the early church, there we have it. They arrested the apostles, and they put them in the public jail. Did, they, did their efforts at sharing their faith go well that day? No. You know, as the, uh, as the authorities were marching towards them, do you think they were panicking? I think they were, weren't they? There was fear. They were scared. Yes, uh, and rightly so. And uh, we see, yeah, I think there's three times recorded in the Scriptures where Paul is arrested Uh, For sharing his faith. And one of those, the most famous one. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace uh, to face the authorities thrown into prison for sharing their faith. Bad day at the office. You know, sometimes our experiences of sharing our faith have been negative. Yes. Sometimes we've shared our faith with people and it's gone Wrong. We've come out of that experience, and we didn't enjoy it. Yes, maybe you've done uh, some types of evangelism that you did not enjoy at all. Maybe you had to do door to door or something like that. Who's ever done door to door? Anybody done door to door? I've done. i quite enjoy doing door to door, but you know, I like to chat to people, don't I? Yeah. And uh, uh, but for some people, it's you know, it'd be cold. It can be wet. And they're meeting rejection after rejection after rejection. Some people, many people, many people have a negative experience of sharing their faith. They do. They have a negative experience of 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 sharing their faith. And, uh, and if you think about it, so the apostles in the very early days, they were arrested. Yes. Uh, Paul and Silas uh, were arrested. Paul went to prison many times. He ended up in prison and... And as far as we understand, was executed for his faith. It, you know, it wasn't all good, obviously. It wasn't all good. But even Jesus, yes? Uh, you know, we know that Jesus was rejected, don't we? His message was rejected. I mean, they wouldn't have crucified him on the cross if they'd accepted his message, would they? No, of course they wouldn't. So I I want us to absolutely understand that that feeling that you have when you start to share your faith and it's a bit panicky and it's a bit scared and it's a bit, oh, my goodness, I don't enjoy this thing, that is normal. It is normal, you know? You don't have to feel guilty because you're not enjoying sharing your faith. But it's the power of God to salvation for those who believe. Yeah, that's why we do it. Oh, we're not enjoying it. We're not enjoying it. We're not enjoying it. You know, so so we've got this sort of it's a negative. But also, there's those people who are brilliant at sharing their faith. Yeah? And I don't think I'm brilliant at sharing my faith, but I'm confident to do it. Because, I, you know, I'm a minister. I've been a minister since 19... 19- 96 something that's a long time who was born in 1996 none of those hands go up you see because you're all so young yeah (coughs) but you know contrast to that bad experience of sharing our faith experienced by everybody who's ever shared their faith ever yeah contrast to that then those people who even though they've had bad experiences too are utterly awesome at it I'll tell you about this in a moment but in 1984 I think it was some coaches that took my family and I my mum and dad took us three kids off to Liverpool to the uh, what's the Liverpool Stadium called Bo Anfield there it is to Anfield Stadium and we were there with 30,000 other people on that night. The place was, pa- in fact, it was more than 30,000 because it was so full, we had to walk the, uh, what is it, just? it's just about, just less than a mile, isn't it, to the, what's the Everton Stadium? Thank you very much for Goodison Park. Yeah, so we had to walk there and they got an overflow there and all of us people had been bossed or come of our own accord to come and listen to who knows Billy Graham that's right well top marks David yeah and we listened to this expert in sharing his faith you know the expert in sharing his faith wonderful my brother became a Christian that night I remember it well yeah, he was there for, not my brother, <laughs> Billy Graham was there for eight days. And, and I think they said something like 3,000 people a night were making responses. You know, Another time, whilst I was at Bible College, uh, some friends of ours, we traveled over to Sunderland, yes, to hear a man called Reinhard Bonke. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. And I remember being mesmerized. Uh, by every word that he spoke. Yeah. A few of us went to after the meeting to meet him and and pray with him. And it was you know, for many of us we were like, Wow, I wish I could share my faith. Like this man shares his faith. You know? And so that's why I put up the the Samaritan woman. You know, this woman with all these different husbands who has this encounter with Jesus, and this, this woman who's obviously lived a very troubled life, and this encounter with Jesus results in her encountering the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ for the first time. And she turns into this super evangelist in moments. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him uh, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You know, I, I look at the, I love that, the uh, the woman's Samaria. I love that, that, uh, that uh, those events in the Bible. But you know, I think sometimes, maybe you've been guilty of this. I certainly have. Actually, she had an incredible testimony, didn't she? didn't she? An amazing testimony. She'd had this awful troubled life. You know, that's what led to this encounter with Jesus Christ. And she'd encountered him so fabulously. And then she'd gone back to her, her, her town and, and spoken to all these people that had been giving her the cold shoulder for so long. And all these people who'd been ignoring her and, uh, and disrespecting her, every one of them came out after speaking with her to find out what had happened. You know, because she got this wonderful testimony and clearly she was a pretty good communicator. Those people went, wow, whatever's happened here, I want to find out. You know, when you look at people like Billy Graham or the Samaritan woman or Reinald Bonke or Nicole or even Pastor Howard himself, you know, you think, how can we... You know, surely evangelism is for the specialists. It's for the experts. that's, That's who it's for, yeah? That's who it's for. But if you think about it, you know, Billy Graham saw wonderful results. You know, there would have been a period in all of our lives when we all knew people who had come to faith through the ministry of Billy Graham, you know? Uh, in terms of Reinhard Bonke's mission to Africa, millions upon millions of people came to faith because of that man's ministry. You know, whole nations were transformed because of that man's ministry, you know? And uh, the effects that Nicole and I have had on the world are even greater than those <laughs> of of Billy and Reinhard. But these you know, we can feel intimidated by people whose job it is to do that. We could just say, "Well, we'll just leave it to them. We'll just leave it to them. We'll just leave it to them." But that's not going to reach the world. There's eight billion people on the world. Yes, Billy and Reinhard have gone. You know, the thing is, Danny, somebody or other, who leads that thing now. But though that time has changed, you know, there was three thousand people and night-made responses at that. Thing that I went to as a as a 12 year old or 11, I suppose I probably was at that stage, uh, child, uh, in uh, all those years ago. But that wouldn't have even touch Liverpool, would it? Whereas, if us as as Christians can take that, uh, I can understand that it, that even though we feel intimidated by the brilliance of these professional evangelists but actually our willingness to share what we have will reach more people than even theirs. If all of us are able just to get beyond that panic, that fear, that sense of inadequacy, then actually there will be a beautiful harvest. Now, just as as I think about this, well, I really want to give you some, some encouragement today that is so going to help you. I'm going to tell you about the worst evangelist in the Bible. Can we have an amen? Uh, Does anybody want to have a guess who the worst evangelist is? Obviously, it's subjective. This is my opinion. Who do I think the worst evangelist in the Bible is? Sorry? John the Baptist. It's a good guess. It's a good guess, but that's not who I've chosen. Anybody else want to go? Oh, it is. It is Jonah. It is Jonah. There we go. Go. (laughs) Well done. A round of applause. So we have a round applause for Josie. And let's be honest, she was the mouthpiece of you all. I know that you were all about to say that name. All right, <laughs> go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness The second worst evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, not only was he such an appalling evangelist <laughs> that he went in entirely the wrong direction. Absolutely. Oh, you want me to go there? Oh, well, I'm going here. Yes? Not only did that, when God sent a storm, yes, and he spent uh, several days in the belly of a great fish and was chucked up and all of that, even when he repented in the belly of a great fish and, and, and God said to him, we're still on. You still need to go. You still need to go and tell these people of Nineveh about me. You need to tell them to... Repent he goes. And he preaches the most half hearted sermon. It's like eight words. Eight words. Yeah, I think in the Hebrew it's five. Yeah. It's like, Ooh. repent. God's gonna destroy the city, you know. And that's it. That's it. And then he's absolutely devastated. When they do repent, yes, and God doesn't destroy the city because he's thinking, well, you know, I've gone round, I've put my name out there saying, you know, it's you guys need to repent or God's going to destroy the city. Yeah, well, God hasn't destroyed the city. Who does it look bad for? It looks bad for me, you know? He's absolutely, well, we call it narcissistic these days, don't we? You know, it doesn't look well for me, does it? You know, he doesn't care whether they live or die. He cares about his reputation. Yes, and uh, God said he's going to destroy the city, and then he doesn't destroy the city. He thinks, well, that's a problem. Whereas God's like, well, you know, there's 120,000 people here. You know, I think he should be quite pleased, but I've not had to destroy them because their hearts have turned back to me. Yeah? Now, not only did he run in the wrong direction, not only did he give a half-hearted sermon, Yeah? But he he genuinely hated the people that he was preaching to. The man's a racist. The man's a racist. Yeah? He wanted them dead. He did not like these people. Yeah. Now, what was the result of this? A whole city returned to God. Now let's just put that in our context for a moment. Let's not say our context just yet. Yeah. Let's just... just recognize that this racist, disobedient, yeah, half-hearted evangelist yeah, eventually got around to doing what God had asked him to do and the whole city got saved. So God's raising up a bunch of racist, lazy, disobedient evangelists. Obviously not. Does that help you see that it's not down to the individual? It's down to God. Obviously, there was some obedience eventually needed from Jonah. But it wasn't Jonah that rescued that city. It was God that rescued the city. And if we are scared to share our faith, and if we are not very good at sharing our faith, and uh, uh, we are not immediately obedient in sharing our faith, but we do do it, actually, even if it's not good, even if it's not excellent, even if it's not like smooth like Reinhard Bonquet or Billy Graham, it's God that takes hold of your obedience and your story However badly told, and he rescues the lost. I wonder if the musicians could join me. He does the saving. And over these few weeks, I want us to repeat to ourselves, don't panic. Don't panic sharing our faith will go wrong. It will elicit some pretty poor responses. There'll be times when we are really just not very good at it. But God will do the heavy lifting. There'll be times when we feel deeply intimidated by the prospect. There'll be times when you feel so uh, inadequate to the task That you won't really be able to string a sentence or two together. But God will still use you. The wonderful thing is that God has done something very precious in your life. He's done something very precious. He's done something very powerful in your life. You might not have the testimony like uh, the woman of Samaria You might not have the um, skillful oratory of Paul the Apostle, yeah, but you have the living God at work in your life and through your words. And he's placed the same instruction upon you as he has on Jonah and all those that follow Christ. Go to the ends of the earth. Tell people. Tell people about me. Don't panic. Don't panic. I am with you. And even your faltering words will be taken by the sovereign God. And all of heaven's power are unleashed even through your words and through mine. Let's uh, bow our heads. Loving Father, we come before you and we thank you that the Word of God lives in us. Lord, we thank you that the power of God has been at work in us. Lord, we thank you for those people who shared their faith with us. We thank you for those who did a good job of it and we thank you for those who did a bad job of it. We thank you for them all. And Lord Jesus, in our lives, there remains that natural reaction of fearfulness. Part of that is definitely because it is so powerful. We don't want to get it wrong. Because the consequences are great. But Lord Jesus, in our hearts, we want to express a willingness to be obedient to you. And we invite your Holy Spirit to give us boldness to speak even when our hearts are beating fast.